Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. You've got Evan Knowles and Logan Jones here. We've got a special episode this week. So normally, you know, we are covering innovation with startups and inter- interviewing startup founders, uh, small businesses, you know, those that are just now getting started. This episode is unique because we are interviewing Mike Hilton, who is working on a great program called uh, Venture Labs. Mm-hmm. And their whole mission is to go into large corporations and instill a sense of innovation, a culture of innovation, and build the processes needed to take these companies to the next level and encourage you know, everybody to be involved in innovation. Um, and that's hard. So he's doing uh, this region a great service. Yeah, so this is also <clears throat> a unique episode for us because Mike is a good friend and a coworker of mine. And not only that, but this Venture Labs program that we're talking to him about I actually got to help facilitate it. So I was there watching these companies pitch, watching these employees give the give their ideas out to the the senior management. And it was a really cool thing to watch um, more of a corporate setting of innovation, kind of like what we're talking about here. And not only that, but this idea that kind of grew out of Awesome Inc., watching us iterate on that and turning it into what it is now. So it's a really cool episode. Like Evan said, we're talking about innovation in the corporate space, which is kind of uh, a little bit different than what we typically talk about, but it, it's an awesome episode and Mike was an awesome guest for us. Yeah. It's what? timely too, right? So yeah. It's like, you know, COVID has forced <clears throat> companies, whether they like it or not, to innovate. Yeah. Well, we literally put out a graphic today that said everyone became a startup on March 10th. I almost wanted to reference that because, I mean, especially right now, if you're not innovating and thinking differently, you're going to sink, sink quick. Yep. Exactly. Yep. So we hope you enjoy. We'll jump into it. Let's do it. Thanks for joining. Why don't we bounce uh, right into your background? Why don't we just start there? Uh, talk about where you're from, education, uh, professional background, just start wherever you want to take it. Yeah, perfect. Um, and thank you all again for the opportunity to be here. Um, I'll, let me let me start actually by saying I'm, I'm just a big fan uh, of, <laughs> of what you all do. I'm a fan of the, the podcast and, um, and, and, I'm a big believer in this community and, I, and you'll hear why in just a second, but a big believer in the central Kentucky community and, and am really appreciative just from the outside looking in of the work that you all are doing to highlight the really cool things going on. And the fact that, uh, that central Kentucky really is a, a pretty unique place to be. Um, Absolutely. So that, that drew me to the podcast first, but because of that, like I'm, it's not lost on me the importance of this chair, right? There, there's been some, some really impressive people sitting in this chair. So I just, I appreciate the opportunity to, to be part of this. Yeah, no, thank uh, you for that. Yeah, absolutely. You guys are doing good work. Keep it up. Uh, so my background, uh, I was born in Lexington, didn't grow up in Lexington, but all of our extended family was here. So we would come back to Lexington for summers and Christmas and Easter and all that kind of stuff. And, and we joke that uh, my brothers and I grew up the only Kentucky fans in central Indiana. And, <laughs> and in the mid to late 90s, that was a really fun time to wear blue to school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? And, uh, and so I uh, grew up mostly in central Indiana, but Lexington has always very much been, excuse me, been home. And then went to school at the University of Dayton. I'm a proud Dayton flyer. Um, and the opportunity to move back to Lexington opened up uh, right after graduation. And so it was very much a homecoming. And our roots have gone very deep, uh, very quickly in this community. My wife and I joke that, I mean, if we, if we ever leave here, we have screwed up something <laughs> yeah. massive. So uh, we, we love it here. Uh, professionally background, um, I, I knew that I wanted to be a teacher for a little bit, but I don't think teaching was going to be the be all end all. I think it was one of those things that was in my system that I wanted to get out. So I taught high school here in Lexington for four years, right out of college, and then kicked off a professional career. And I've spent the last 10 years um, helping organizations make big ideas become a real thing, 
whether it's some kind of a team transition where the team looks like X, but it really should look like Y. Here's a three-year roadmap to get it there. Or launching some new idea, getting some new idea off the ground or new revenue stream or strategic model. Uh, what I do is I help get the right processes in place with the right people in the right order um, so that we can really see what the new idea looks like. And said differently, uh, I help hold the bus together as, as you build the bus and it goes, and it goes down the hill. Yeah. That's, that's a little bit of the background. Awesome. Yeah. So I want to give a little background on, on Mike and I here. Mike and I are actually coworkers right now um, at Awesome Inc. And just to kind of transition to this whole Venture Labs thing, I think it's been really cool because I kind of got to meet you uh, earlier in the year and then I got to see and actually help with Venture Labs as it kicked off. Right. Um, which, yeah, so I think this is a good segue for you to go ahead and kind of give the the elevator pitch of what Venture Labs actually is. Yeah, absolutely. So at the most basic level, Venture Labs is Awesome Inc.'s effort to drive uh innovation throughout the corporate community in central Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that includes a number of different things, but there's really two arms of it. One is helping uh, the, the corporations, the larger corporate community in Lexington think like entrepreneurs and leverage that skill to stay on the innovative edge, but also develop partnerships uh, between the corporate community and the startup community. And so to put a little bit more detail to that, to, to Logan's point, uh, the idea for Venture Labs popped up in about 2018. And we weren't quite sure what it looked like or what it needed to look like. But we know that, I'm going to speak really broad and then go deep. We know that if a company has, not a company, if a community, pardon me, has roots in innovation, really good things happen in that community, right? And I'm, I'm, again, I mean that in the most, uh, in the broadest terms. But if a community can harness new ideas and leverage those new ideas, both within individual companies and in the broader community, the community is more economically sound, it's more productive, it's better at attracting and retaining like the next great talent, specifically emerging leaders, and, and it's also, and you all know this better than most, it's, it's better attracting startups and startup mm-hmm. founders, right? Yep. And so Awesome Inc. has done a great job for the last 10 years driving the startup economy throughout central Kentucky. And so Venture Labs is that effort to take everything they've done for 10 years and, and we take that and we position it in a way that drives innovation through the corporate community. So to take it a step further, on an individual company level, right, we can talk in broad terms about the corporate community and and really broad strokes, but on an individual company level, a company's long-term success is rooted in its ability to foster and capture and grow new ideas. Absolutely. We we talk about we talk about the idea of disruption a lot with venture labs, right? It's a mm-hmm. common term in the startup world. It, everyone, I don't care what industry you're in, everyone's going to get disrupted at some point. Yep. Right? Who, who would have thought 10 years ago that the hotel industry would get disrupted or the taxi cab industry would get disrupted or I mean, who, any, any other industry that's out there, everyone's going to get disrupted. And the companies that, are most successful are the ones that know how to disrupt themselves before someone else can beat them to it. Mm, yes. Companies that know how to disrupt themselves before the company is on the line, before the competition is about to take them over. Right. They, for, they force that un, uncomfortable feeling of disruption. That's right. And it all comes down to like the question of what do you do with a good idea? Mm-hmm. What do you do? Not even a good idea. What do you do with an idea? If a company has an internal culture, that is built around all ideas are worth exploring and then has processes and culture uh, that takes those ideas and tests them to failure or tests them to fruition, that company's positioned for success. Mm -hmm. If the company doesn't have that culture or those processes, they're going to lose revenue. They're going to lose process efficiency. And ultimately they're going to lose the best talent that could be the next great leaders of their organization. Right. Mm-hmm. So with Venture Labs, to come all the way back to the beginning, 
we help companies figure out um, and build structures to harness those good ideas and we help them build processes to leverage them. Um, and then ultimately, once they get that really good uh, and get that skill set in place, we help them figure out how to work with startups and what parts of the entrepreneurial stack to move in-house versus uh, outsource. So for the companies that you have noticed that are not doing a good job, you have an open open book for, for ideas and encouraging innovation. <clears throat> when you dig down to the root of the problem, what, what seems to be uh, a consistent thread between them? Is there is there a single reason that you've been noticing? Is it leadership? Is it the age of the company? Is it the industry? Talk about some reasons why you see companies are not doing this. Great question. I don't think there's one. Yeah. I think there's a handful. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is what's a company's attitude towards failure, right? If, Absolutely. You know, if, if you, uh, well, I'll come back to the idea of an idea dump in a second. But a, an attitude towards failure is if a company celebrates failure uh, or is at minimum open to someone trying something and it not going the way that they plan, what the company does in reaction to that is a pretty big indicator of which side of the fence they fall on. If they, if they celebrate that employee for having an idea and celebrate that employee for uh uh, for testing that idea and trying to gather information and trying to get smarter around it, they're likely to be successful because they're going to find the crappy ideas, but they're also going to find the good ones and they're going to figure out what to do. With them. But if a company has a negative attitude towards failure, it eventually bleeds into the culture and the, the employees aren't going to want to step out or anything like that. So attitude towards failure is one. The second one though is to your point, Evan is, executive sponsorship and there's there's really two pieces to this one is are there processes in place does an employee know what to do with a good idea or with an idea and the second are those processes supported and protected by senior management you know if if you've ever managed people you're probably familiar with the idea of an idea dump right employee comes into your room in your office and says, Hey, I just realized I've got this great idea. We should go do X. All right. I'll see you later. And then leaves. And the boss is like, I don't have time for X, right? I got mm-hmm. this whole list of things. I, I, I don't, I don't have time to do anything with that. But if that employee walks in and says, Hey, two weeks ago, I thought we should do X and here's what I tested and here's what I learned and here's what I tweaked and here's what I tested and learned and tweaked. I've been through four iterations of that now. I thought we should do X, but we should actually go do Y. And here's our next step. Don't worry about it. I've got it. That's a very different statement mm-hmm. from a manager, right? And so, and it goes back to coaching employees to think like entrepreneurs. That's at, at the real crux of what makes Venture Labs successful is the understanding that this concept of a corporate structure maybe not having uh, the right processes in place to to develop and nurture ideas and on the other hand you've got a startup community that eats sleeps drinks and breathes new ideas and testing new ideas in a rapid environment that's the single greatest skill the corporate culture can learn from the from the startup culture is how how to quickly iterate an idea to figure out if it needs to be killed or, or poured water on and, and grown. So I, I got off on a little tangent there. Sorry. But it, the company's attitude towards failure is number one. And then uh, executive sponsored processes toward um, uh, what to do with ideas when they come up. Those are the two big things that differentiate the successful from the not successful. Yeah. It makes a ton of sense. And so when you go into these, these corporation, <clears throat> corporations and set up the program, what's your approach? So walk us through, you know, your approach to, to helping solve these problems internally in these corporations. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, I think it varies company to company. And a lot of it depends on uh, what the company's existing processes look like. So the very first thing that we do is 
over a number of conversations, we, we figure out where the company is, right? What, what is their internal processes for innovation look like? And what we have found is there's a handful of companies out there uh, in the region that already have those internal processes. And for those companies, we're looking at more sophisticated solutions, whether it's a, like a two-day design sprint specifically devoted to the company and trying to solve some of their problems. But for most companies, what we bring in is a one-day workshop, uh, which is the Venture Labs workshop. It's moderated by uh, Tony Schmidt, who I know you all know. He's been on mm-hmm. the show, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, one of Lexington's like great founders uh, yeah. of a tech startup. And so we walk in at the beginning of a day, and the, the employees walk in with their own ideas. And then Tony leads them through an ideation session, teaching them to ideate like an entrepreneur. And then he teaches them some basic entrepreneurial principles like lean, the lean startup method and the build, measure, learn cycle and minimum viable products and things like that. The, he then guides the employees to apply those new skills to those ideas that they've just come up with. And the idea can be anything from new revenue stream to how to improve a process to internal culture to client relations, uh, untapped markets, or anything that can relate to the future of the company. And the employees spend the day baking those ideas out as far as they can. And then at the end of the day, they, the employees pitch those ideas back to the senior management of the company. And so if you're a senior, if you're senior management, if you're the executive team of a company, and your, your employees go through this exercise, not only at the end of the day are you getting a, a handful of really good ideas uh, pitched to you uh, in a pitch format, a pitch competition format, but you're also able to identify, all right, that person's really smart and that person's really smart and we should go make sure that those ideas come out of this person and, uh, and you, you really, uh, you get an idea of who your next great leaders are right there in the room, but you also are delivering to these people uh, a skill set that they'll continue to leverage. I mean, there's great examples from last year where uh, we partnered with a handful of companies to run this workshop, and uh, and and there's evidence of those employees continuing that thought process of build, measure, learn, build, measure, learn, and so even the winning idea, once it's been implemented, looks a little bit different because they've had to tweak it as they continue to get down the implementation path. I just want to take kind of a little sidestep here about the actual approach and, and the actual Venture Labs itself and talk about uh, how Tony actually goes about preparing these people to, to come up with their idea and then flesh it out throughout the day. I honestly, I couldn't think of a better entrepreneur to come in there and do that because Tony's just so down to earth anyway. But the thing that I love that Tony does is he comes in there and he's got this really cool background you know he's worked at microsoft and he's got this cool tech startup that he's 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 got going in town and then he just walks around and talks to people like on the same level as them he doesn't he doesn't seem like the the tech founder that you might think of so i'm not sure who decided to reach out to tony and make him the moderator for this thing but kudos to whoever did because he kills it with that and i think that's a that's a big part of it yeah i think that was brian rainey i think right out of the gate he said here's the idea that we've got right we want to drive uh, entrepreneurship. We want to we want to mm-hmm. coach the corporate world on how to think like entrepreneurs, and I think Tony needs to be involved somehow. <laughs> yeah. I think it's actually two parts of the same sentence. And you're right, right? What if what a great guy, Lexingtonian, came up through UK, interned at Awesome Inc., went to work for Microsoft for five years, participated in their hackathons, uh, and then came back to Lexington to launch what is now a successful tech startup. I don't, I don't know if you could script it any better yeah, exactly he's, I know. he's, he's cut great. out for it yeah yeah so talk about some of those first because venture labs was was its own startup there for a little while a little while and i got to see the first couple iterations talk about what you guys learned in those first couple iterations and how it how it kind of transitioned into what it is now yeah great uh so the first thing that we had to do when we had this idea was we needed to just get a good roadmap of where the innovative culture within the community was. And that's, that's actually a concept that's continued to develop. And I'll come back to that in a second. But we, we realized that the first thing we needed to do 
was help the corporate community better understand the basic concept of thinking like a startup or thinking innovatively, thinking like an entrepreneur. And so Awesome, awesome Inc's done a great job of that for 10 years. And so we took everything Awesome's done that's worked well in those 10 years. And we said, all right, here's some basic components. We got five across. Awesome. Like that's what a great, what a great part of this startup community is five across. And we've got the the fellowship. Okay. We we're good at helping ideas come to life. And there was a couple of other components. So the question then became is how do we put that in a bite-sized format that can spark innovation within an organization? Um, but that isn't too taxing on the, the organization's time, right? You mm-hmm. can't, it's impossible to ask a, a company to, a massive company to completely shut down for a day. So what's a way that in a bite-sized format, we can just spark this concept of thinking entrepreneurially. And in most cases, that's springboarded into larger conversations of what partnership could look like. So we had that idea. We came up with the rough model and really the, the first iteration of the workshop uh, was fairly similar to what we have now. It was a two-day format instead of a one-day format, but still involved employees coming in with their own ideas, developing them, and then pitching them back at the end. And we, we ran it with six partners last year. And what was interesting is of the six, we learned that it worked for large companies and small companies, right? This, we ran it for the Lexington Legends, which is a total staff of about 25 uh, all the way up to Chase Bank, the regional version of, of the regional arm of Chase Bank and great construction, right? Hundreds of employees at both of those organizations. And we learned that it was just as effective in one place as it was in the other. Uh, we also ran it across a variety of industries, right? We had banking, construction, uh, the Lexington Public Library, uh, Greenbox Heating and Air, uh, which is, uh, I think, Fayette County's only uh, uh, HVAC repair company and um, uh, and the legends. So you had a variety of industry there, right? And the one nuance that we learned was in the banking industry so heavily regulated, there's still good ideas. It's just, it's a little more difficult to come up with new revenue streams specifically, mm-hmm. but that means all the ideas get focused on new markets and process efficiencies and things like that. Yep. So we tested the idea a handful of times. Um, learned very much and uh, drinking our own Kool-Aid there, right? We tested it, learned, yeah. tested it, learned. Yeah. And then we rolled into 2020 with uh, a formal workshop pro- uh, product, one day, eight hours, up to 24 people for $7,500. And you run the workshop. And what's really interesting is even in the test cases, um, in most of the test cases, there was a bottom line impact just with the single winning idea, let alone the other ideas that didn't win, but just with the winning idea, there was a bottom line impact north of $10,000. That's right. pretty cool to quantify like that. Yeah, it, it's, it was really uh, interesting. Uh, with, with one of the companies, the, the winning team, uh, right at the beginning of the day said, hey, we have a budget leak here and we think that it's a process deal. So they, that team spent the day on the phone talking to the different individuals involved, rewrote the process, and ultimately pitched back to the senior management the implementation plan of, hey, in the next eight weeks, here's the plan. Here's how we implement it. And they saved the company like $18,000. That's awesome. It's right there. And what's – I'm going off on a little tangent here, but what's really – interesting about that and really exciting for us is the idea came from the front lines. If a company's uh, leaning on their strategic team to, to come up with the next great ideas, they're limiting their single greatest asset, which is the creativity of the individuals who better than the people on the front lines to come up with the next great idea, because those people have their hands dirty on the exactly. That's what I was about to say. Yep. There's, there's a great story that is really eye-opening. Um, uh, if you look at uh, the company Kodak, right? In 1975, Kodak had 90% of the photography market. If you bought film or a camera, 90% of the time, it was Kodak. Like that is, 
That is a market share that makes any company drool. And then again, in 75, a Kodak engineer, Kodak on the business card, a Kodak engineer came to senior management and said, I just invented digital photography. I invented a way to take a picture and store it without film. And executives told him, kill it. We're not gonna do anything with it. We're a film company. We don't want this idea to get out there. Well, now Kodak has less than 20% of the photography market because other companies were able to capitalize on that innovation. They were crazy to think their guy was the only one who came up with that idea. Yep. So anyway, it goes back to the point of the good ideas already are in the company. It's a matter of what you do with them uh, that, that equates to a company's success or failure. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you were, you started talking a little bit about some of these ideas and you, you kind of handed here and there, uh, but maybe dive into one or one or two of these programs and um, maybe, maybe the team that came up with the idea and just kind of elaborate, put us, put us in the room at Venture Labs of what that actually looks like all the way to them pitching the idea. Yeah. Great. Um, probably the most tangible example comes from the Lexington legends, right? It's minor league baseball team, stalwart, great part of the community. We ran it uh, about two weeks after they had just won their second title in a row. So great energy in the room. And the winning team, the team that ultimately came together through the organic ideation process was two people. It was the controller uh, who was introverted and had told us that she wasn't quite sure what to expect when she walked in that day. And a guy who'd been to in ticket sales one year. And that's it. It was those two. Those two don't even work that closely together. So it was just those two individuals. And they had this idea of uh, creating a way for people to order concessions from their chair and have those concessions delivered without ever getting up from the chair. Right. So essentially creating a food delivery system within the ballpark. And people would probably pay a few extra bucks to have that. And so they, they ran the projections and presented back at the end of the day, here's our concessions. Here's the percent that we think people would pay extra for this. Here's the percent of people we think that would capitalize on this. And it, it, they, they went ahead and said, like, here's, there's software you can go out and buy that automates that whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a fairly common thing in some, like, really fancy stadiums. Uh, but they said, we don't need that software yet. We first got to figure out if it works or not. So here's what we're going to pilot in the first couple of weeks of the season. And it's not going to cost, uh, it's going to cost hardly anything to pull it off just to test it. But we think we're going to see that it's profitable and then we'll go get the software and then we'll go do it. Right. So not only did you have these two people, neither of which are in the F and B side of the company, by the way. Uh, these two people come together around this idea simply from being observant in their day-to-day -day jobs and they figured out how to test it at relatively nothing. And if, it, if the idea fails and bombs, it's not, it's not a hit on the budget at all, but they tested it and they figured out if it was viable. Mm -hmm. And if it is, they'll figure out what they learned and what they need to change and they'll go forward from there. I'm sure there's something to be said there too about giving, creating a culture where employees can feel empowered to come forth and, and test those ideas. That extends yeah. beyond yeah. just the program. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, think that's, I think that's just as important, whether the idea is implemented or not, uh, giving, empowering these employees to say, listen, your idea is worth listening to and even worth testing, I think is a big part of this as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so part of my background that, that I geek out on is emerging leader development, right? Specifically what the next great leaders of our community and the next great leaders of our organizations, what do they look like and what do they need? And this virus economy is giving us a really great indicator uh, of, of that kind of thing. And it's one of the linchpins, you call them millennials, call them whatever you want, right? It's not isolated to millennials, but the next great leaders need that freedom to run. Mm -hmm. It cannot be show up, punch the clock for 40 years, get your gold watch, hang it up and go home. Right. It's just that that doesn't exist anymore in our economy, in our culture. So if a company doesn't have, I, I like how you put it, the company doesn't have that validating culture 
that allows the employee the freedom to run, they're ultimately going to lose that employee. That employee is probably already looking for a new job already right now. Yep. You know, it, we use we use the analogy of a swimming pool because it's also important that even if those processes exist, but senior management tries to restrict them too much, that's that's just as detrimental than if they uh, than if they don't have the processes at all. Mm-hmm. So the balance, we use the analogy of a swimming pool, right? If you, if you throw a swimming pool in a backyard, people are going to dive. They're going to swim back and forth. They're going to swim laterally. They're going to do cannonballs. They'll do can opener, right? They'll, they'll lay on a raft in the middle of the pool. But the minute you put lanes in that pool, you are immediately reducing all the ways it can be used down to one, right? You're immediately restricting and dictating how that pool should be used. And you're going to miss out on all of the other ideas. Hmm. Yep. So it's senior management's responsibility to build the pool, encourage people to use the pool, protect the pool, but keep the lanes out of the pool and let their people dictate how it should be used. Yep. Have you seen, have you seen any executives or any leadership or management get threatened or get worried about this because they've put those lanes in place or maybe they're just not, prepared for a program like this you know i'm sure that there are people out there in the corporate world that get stuck in their ways and they're comfortable right they're comfortable they've got these big corporations that are rolling machines maybe they're cash cows of some kind and they're not ready to take a risk what have you done and and seen in that in that realm well so what's interesting that that definitely doesn't apply to any of our test cases from 2019 because all of those companies just by nature were willing to try out this new idea, right? Yeah. But we we have seen companies where the they get so focused on the day to day machinery. I like I like how you put that. The day to day machinery uh, of what makes the company go. And Tony uses a great a great phrase: it, the local maximum versus the global maximum, right? If a company's focused on the local maximum then they can be really successful in hitting that local maximum. But if, and they might even beat it and innovate past it a little bit, but they're going to miss the, the larger global share, uh, the, the larger global target that they should be aimed at. And let's, great tangible example. Let's look at Blockbuster, right? In the early 90s, Blockbuster was synonymous with family movie night, right? You got out of school on Friday, you went to Blockbuster, you picked out your two movies, then you got the pizza on the way home, and then that was family movie night. And in the early 90s, Blockbuster said, crap, guys, we got to innovate. We've got stores full of VHSs, and the world is switching to DVD, and we've got to get all our stores over to DVD. And guess what? They were successful. <laughs> they, they successfully got all their stores from VHS to DVD, and even like, here's a part of it. That's obvious, but here's a part of the story that most people don't know. In the year 2000, the founders of Netflix sat down with Blockbuster to sell. and said, Hey, we've, you all have inventory of DVDs more than anyone in the country. And we're a DVD mail order company. Let's work together. And Blockbuster laughed him out of the room <laughs> and said, we, you're a niche business. We, I think, I think the phrase niche business was actually used. And, and so blockbuster executives in that case, they were focused on the local maximum. People come in, people get DVDs or people get movies and then they go home. Mm-hmm. And that day-to-day machinery of their business was so enticing. And I think it goes back to comfortable, right? It goes back, they were so comfortable for them and stretching and having these ideas of, of this conversation around what to do with a new idea is inherently uncomfortable because you're trying to get out of the box, right? And so it takes a really specially minded executive to even allow their employees that freedom to run, but it's Mm -hmm. so vitally important. Yep. Yep. Just to shout out, I'm on my phone here looking for, um, there's a really great podcast uh, done by Wondery called Business Wars. And there was a great one done on Netflix and Blockbuster. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So that story is wild and they walk through the entire story 
and um, you know Blockbuster really messed up, obviously, <laughs> and they never really tried. To, they never really they tried to avoid admitting, admitting to it for a long time. Yeah, they didn't want to face the facts. What's <laughs> interesting, like, so let's use let's use the opposite as an example. You got Netflix, which was a DVD mail order company ten years ago, that's now winning Academy Awards for producing quality content. Yeah. Like that that takes yeah. some iteration. Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. It, it remember, it, it's tough to it's tough to remember, but you had the whole at the time seeming debacle of Netflix transitioning from mail order to streaming, right? That was that was an industry shakeup at the oh, time. Yeah. yeah. And then it, and but as part of that, they then shoehorned in. Oh, not only if you're streaming, you get this Netflix content. I think it was House of Cards was the first one, where they were like, yeah, we're going to split it off. But by the way, here's Kevin Spacey and he's going to launch his own show as part of this. And now, and then ultimately they start winning awards from there. Yeah. So Netflix is a great example of the opposite of sure. We'll entertain that idea. Who yeah. knows what's going to happen, but let's figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about, so you come into a company, you do the program, they have a great time. They have these innovative ideas. When you leave, are you checking in with them? What, how do you make sure that these, these, uh, this culture that you've come in and introduced to them, is maintained. Yeah, great. A great question. The one of the goals of the workshop, right? The the workshop is a tool, um, a, a tool that we can leverage that really sparks um, sparks ideas and it uh, jump starts the the culture within the company. But culture change and culture building. Um, it's a longer process, right? Because at that point we're talking about internal infrastructure and we're talking about processes that need to be built and maintained. And every, every company starts in a different place. And so some of the companies that we've worked with already have a lot of those processes in place, right? If you go look at great construction, they're innovative, right? They've mm-hmm. got a number of offices, um, uh, around the, the country. They're, they're, um, pillars in the community. They've got great solutions that's separate from great construction that does its own innovating. I mean, they've got a lot of arms and the, they brought in the workshop because the workshop fit really well with things that they were already doing. Mm-hmm. Right. So when we run the workshop, we definitely stay in touch and it's a matter of figuring out what is going to benefit that individual company next. And so that's where, with one of the companies we're talking about, you know, uh, Awesome Inc. runs Startup Weekend, right? Where you bring in the community for 48 hours and uh, at the end of 48 hours, they've developed some idea into an actual product and there's uh, software development and things like that behind it. So it's not out of the question to take that model and repeat it for a specific company and do like a two-day design sprint where the company says, hey, I've got these five problems. I want to bring in 30, 40, 50 developers and entrepreneurs and thought leaders from the university and the community to try and attack the problem. And so like, that's, that's one example. Um, but there's other examples where I, like a company says, I, we have got to figure out how to work with startups. We, we, you know, great teachers think us help us learn how to think entrepreneurially, but also at the same time, help us figure out how to work with startups. And at that point, that conversation becomes very different because that's more about identifying what parts of the, the startup stack, whether it's the funding or the idea or the human capital or, or whatever other part of that stack needs to get moved internally versus what they outsource. So after the workshop, it becomes a very custom fit um, custom fit approach uh, and, and a matter of working more one-to-one. Now, on the other side of the coin, though, we view, I've said at the beginning of this thing, Central Kentucky is, is near and dear to our hearts here. And so while we are building one-on-one partnerships, we're also trying to find ways to drive innovation throughout the broader community. Mm-hmm. And so one thing that's actually organically developed here in the last few weeks is we're hosting a round table um, 
focused on corporate innovation because as we've as we've gotten to know a lot of these companies Toyota does it differently than Lexmark does it differently than Gray does it differently than Alltech does it in all of these other companies, RJ Corman and Temper Sealy and everybody does it a little bit differently. So there's some element of value of comparing notes, right? So yep. we're going to, we're starting just by bringing these folks together as whoever wants to be on the call and saying, Hey, how do you define innovation? How does your company handle it? And then what does, if, if, if when that conversation has value, uh, that only feeds the momentum and the momentum keeps growing and growing. And then suddenly in not the too distant future, we've got a really valuable cornerstone here that raises the innovative tide for Lexington and central Kentucky and really for the state as well. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, communication piece between those, those companies is, is so important. Yeah. You know, if they're not communicating with each other, then you know, the, having these siloed uh, innovators in a in a region is, is not good. You know, ultimately, you want them to share that and help rise the tide for all boats. You know, lift all the boats. Um, so it's great that you guys are doing that. I think it's so important, and really, it kind of ties to what you know, we're trying to do is just get these people yeah. to share you know, their stories and their failures and their successes. It's other people are going to take pieces from that and apply it. Um, which, you know, that needs to happen in the corporate space too. You don't, I don't ever hear about that. Um, yeah. I much. think, <clears throat> I think that's why I was so interested in, re- in sitting down and recording this episode about venture labs because a wide, uh, the majority of people out there are working in corporate jobs. They're not working in startups. However, you guys are, are proving that you still need to think like a startup and you'd be familiar with the startup terminology and how startups operate because it's very important, uh, for these companies uh, Netflix is a perfect example to have that that global goal that, that they're uh, that they're going after. So yeah, I think it's cool to uh, to kind of tie those two things together, tie the startup space and technology and innovation, and and tie it to a place that you aren't normally talking about innovation and uh, startups and that's corporate space. Um, so yeah, that's just the whole mission of of the organization is is really needed. I believe. Are you when you get into these companies, are you noticing that there's an opportunity for updated, you know, software products. Um, I'm always interested in this, especially around this region. One thing we had Wendy, Wendy Leon on season one a while back. I one just of the re-listened to that episode like yeah. two days ago. It's yeah, it's such a meaty episode. There's so much good stuff in it. There is, there is. And one of the things she talked about was she thinks it's very important to come into a region and analyze what tools are these companies using and is there a trend between them and one thing she noticed was some of these in some of these regions in middle america the companies are lagging on modern software tools and so these modern software tools if if you have them in place you know they help elevate a business they help you uh, you know make your processes more efficient and what they do is they get people used to the new standard of quality and, and software and processes when you get into these companies, are you noticing that they don't have the modern software in place? For instance, um, you know the Salesforces of the world. Are they still using legacy CRMs? Um, that's just one example. But what are you seeing as far as software that enables their processes when you get in there? Is that something you guys look at? Not not specifically, yeah. but we obviously it's tangential, right? Okay. So we've picked up on it here and there, and I think at least from our perspective, which I'll go ahead and admit is not as knowledgeable uh, as a lot of folks out there. Uh, Like there's, there's smarter people who can give you the broad strokes. Right. But we've seen, we've seen some advanced systems, right. We've seen the Salesforce and and Oracle CRMs that have been dropped in, but we've we've also seen some really clunky legacy products. Right. And, uh, and legacy, right. If, legacy homegrown patchwork products <laughs> that uh, that do create some process inefficiency but uh, it's it's interesting those those are easy things to point to when it comes to a need for inefficiency but changing uh, migrating away to a, a more sophisticated product can be the scariest thing oh yeah and so yeah. in my mind it, it does come back to that culture of getting people open to new ideas. But 
uh, yeah, there's smarter people in this community than me to give you those broad strokes. Yeah, makes sense. Um, are you seeing that there are specific industries needing something like this more, whether it's you know banking or manufacturing or um, I'm trying to think of some others that you that you've done um, the sports space? Where have you seen that there's trends that this is maybe needed more than others? So I don't know if we've necessarily seen more than others. I think it looks different industry to industry, right? The, in the financial world, like I said, it's, uh, it's more heavily regulated. And so it's much more difficult to, it's not like the organization's providing those lanes in the pool. It's the industry that's providing yeah. those lanes in the pool. Yeah. But at the same time, right, we wouldn't have the phrase FinTech if there wasn't a whole disruption uh, going on within the financial services industry, right? Mm -hmm. So, so we know that disruption is going to occur. So it looks different in that space. Um, and, and I think the outcome of the ideas looks different company to company, right? If you're a, if you're a CPG company, there's maybe, maybe somebody walking into your, uh, walking into the workshop, will have an idea of how to use a new application for your technology or a new application for some part of your uh, product that could lead to a whole brand new revenue, revenue stream. So whether it's manufacturing or whether it's uh, CPG or whether it's the financial services world, it looks different, but I think it's just as necessary in each of those. Gotcha. So coming, kind of coming back to the central Kentucky area, you've gotten to do yeah. a, a bunch of these trials with, with different industries, pretty much all across the board. Um, kind of give us a forward looking statement of innovation as it relates to this, this area in central Kentucky and what you hope to accomplish with, with venture labs going forward. That's a good question. Um, the very first thing that comes to mind is and I, I talk, I talk about this all the time and it, it's, it's a little, it's more on, on the personal side, but one of my favorite parts about Lexington and central Kentucky is that 150 years ago, we were known as the Athens of the West, right? We were this place where academia met thought, met business, met culture, met art. And we, we were at that crossroads. And the fact that our history is very much rooted in, in that crossroads, you can still see that come out into, into our culture today, right? I think an idea, uh, an idea has, a, has a greater opportunity to survive and have a big impact in this region than it does in other regions. The, my partner in crime on Venture Labs is uh, Liz Brown-Evans another member of the awesome team. And Liz, Liz is a superstar. First of all, we're going to look back a couple of decades from now and realize that like Liz, we'll, we'll call us thankful that Liz got her, uh, got planted her roots here. Yeah. Let's make her blush. Let's really gas her up here. All right. She and is awesome. <laughs> Liz is one of my favorites. She's unbelievable. <laughs> um, and, and she uses the phrase agency, right? Your agency goes further here. Your hard work has a greater opportunity for impact. And it's because of mm -hmm. that tight knit fabric that is this community where if you want to get coffee with somebody that you don't know, you probably know somebody that knows them and that yep. person's going to be pretty likely to say, sure, I'll get coffee with you. Exactly. Uh, right. Evan, I, Evan, I think that's how you and I met. Even, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, only one coffee. It was bourbon and Toulouse, which was even better. Even better. Uh, <laughs> and, and so what's really exciting about venture labs to me is we hit that nerve, right? We are empowering all arms of this community to have good ideas and teaching them what to do with those good ideas. And, and Evan, to use your point, you talk about bringing in the tide, we're, we're hitting on notes that are centuries old in this community that are already coming back to the surface. And there's so many arms of this community that are building on that concept of creativity and that concept of innovation. And this is, this is a different way of applying that mentality. And so 
I see Venture Labs continuing to ride that wave, right? Maybe even help create that wave a little bit, uh, which is an exciting thing. And, and creating, to go all the way back to the start of this conversation, creating that community that partners startups and corporations and teaches the corporate community to think entrepreneurially and makes us more economically sound as a community becomes even more and more attractive to the next great leaders of our community and of our organizations and the next great founders of startups and nonprofits alike. Uh, and, and to Evan's point, bringing in the tide, right? This is, this is a different application of the same thought that's been here for 150 years. So I think I actually just answered your forward looking question by going backward. No, that's perfect. <laughs> I'm going to take a stab at kind of a, a corny uh, analogy here. It may, it may miss, but we'll try it. If so, we're talking a lot about uh, the tide rising and lifting all boats. Right. I, uh, whatever causes the tide, I'm going to call Venture Labs the moon. Venture Labs is the moon that brings in the innovation that ri- brings the tide that rises all the way. That's that's what we're going to roll with here. <laughs> I'll, do I'll I'll go with the moon. I'll take that. I, that's humbling, right? Because I think that there's a lot of different uh, arms in this organization that are bringing in that creative, innovative tide. Absolutely. Uh, yep. If we're part of the moon, I'll take that. Cool. Good deal. <laughs> well, Mike, that's a that's a great place for us to end here. We really appreciate you coming on and, and talking through this with us and. We're really excited about what you guys are doing here because what you are doing is is bringing in that innovation that's so desperately needed in some of these industries. So thank you guys for the work you're doing. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. It's been an awesome conversation. Well, we and again, we appreciate the opportunity, first of all, but I just, you guys keep doing what you're doing. You're doing really, really good stuff and you're shining a lot of light on uh, some of those arms in this community that, again, that go back to that root of innovation that was already here. Yeah. Uh, so keep doing what you're doing too.